Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello listeners, watchers and subscribers. Welcome to another chapter of the SDR Disco Call Show. If this is your first time to the show, this show is all about helping new sales development reps by speaking to great SDRs or people within our realm from around the globe. And my job is just to be a host and guide you on that journey. And with today's guest, this is somebody that's been a long time coming and I'm really excited to get them on today's show where I connected with them about two years ago, I think it was, where I saw this person's posts on LinkedIn and they were talking about mental health and they were talking about coaching people with mental health. And as most of you know, I'm a big advocate for mental health. So I got to know this guy a little bit more. We spoke, we've had a couple of meetings in the past and I thought, yes, let's get them on. So uh, could you please introduce yourself? Who are you, guest? Yeah, thank you, Neil. My name is Chris Hatfield and I'm the founder and coach of Cell Psyche. Thank you very much for joining us on this journey today, Chris. And as a gentle reminder, if you're listening to this in your local podcast platform, please make sure that you subscribe and give us a rating. And equally, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please make sure that you like, comment and subscribe. And if you've got any feedback or questions for the guests, leave them down in the comment section below. But Chris, uh, could you tell us whereabouts in the world are you based and what is Cell Psyche and what do they do? Yeah, I am in good old London. And Sales Psyche is focused on working with sales and commercial teams to help them better understand and manage their mental health mindset and everything in between um, through a mixture of confidential one-to-one sessions and live and on-demand training. Love it. Thank you so much. And for the listeners and watchers, if you're interested in Sales Psyche, we'll be putting links into our show notes if you want to check them out, if it's of interest to yourself. And Chris, outside of sales and, you know, mental health, what things do you like to get up to? What floats your boat, sir? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a big advocate of practicing what I preach. And I think it is so important to have all these, I suppose, non-work identities and, and interests. So very active. I see that as my kind of one form of therapy, um, mm-hmm. which comes in the form of gym, jiu-jitsu, football, um, bit of a mixture there. Big advocate, of course, with, with delivering content of always learning. So big fan of listening to audible like audiobooks reading uh and just just i suppose learning from other people is is a real interest of mine which just so happens it's a nice thing that's part of my job as well absolutely. and i'm a massive foodie as well <laughs> absolutely love it and you're right you know you're somebody that does um create a lot of content and i saw something this morning around a post where was it uh, it was so good that i had to put it back on uh, onto my facebook and my linkedin but it was along the lines of, you know, why are they ghosting me? I would never do that. Have you ever caught yourself saying something like that and egocentric thinking? And I was like, yeah, I do that a lot because it's based on my values and I think people should follow those values, but I have to understand that they don't and I can't control them. And I learned from you. I've learned a hell of a lot from you and I've shared it with teams and managers, etc. So again, for listeners and subscribers, please check out Chris's LinkedIn profile with his content and obviously his blog. And you also have your own podcast as well. Is that right, sir? I do, yeah. Hey, Psyche, how do I podcast? 
Love it. And speaking of LinkedIn, as we all know, uh, ladies and gents, we typically share screens because we want to visit and check out this cool dude on LinkedIn. Uh, so Chris Hatfield. So as mentioned, you can check out all his links with his podcast and content he puts out there. Really highly recommend Chris's content. But if we go back to way back in the day, uh, we can see that you were working at Judith Grace Marketing as a field sales team leader, a recruitment and as a sales manager. You were a senior associate at Inspire People. Uh, you worked at Avanta. You'd also worked at Natural Training. Very familiar with that company. Got a bit of history with them. Uh, Payment Sense, where you were head of sales enablement. You was a sales coach, um, mindful sales coach, trainer and consultant at Not Another Sales Guy. Love that. Uh, you remember Rev Genius. You've worked with Revenue Collective. You're an angel investor, uh, and most importantly, a founder and coach at Sales Psyche for the past two years. Congrats to making it to two-year mark as well, sir. Saw that celebration on LinkedIn the other day. Thank you. Uh, but Chris, in your own words, could you walk us through your journey of like how you started off and how you got to where you are today, sir? Yeah, I mean, let's. I suppose it all starts with with where I started. Really, I'd, I'd come out of uni. I did sports coaching degree and. Had an interest of getting into sport, but like old chicken and the egg, you come out and you think, well, you know, I need experience to get a job, but I can't get a job without the experience. So <laughs> yeah. like most people did back then, and I like to think it's probably still a bit the same now, but it's more of a conscious decision, but I fell into sales mm. um, and it was door-to-door sales, okay. 100% commission only, gun knock 100 doors a day, loft and cavity wall insulation, and eventually solar panels. Um, and that's where I was faced with my anxiety. It sort of first mm. came out. I, I sort of think it was probably there at school or university, but it was something I wasn't aware of. And back then it definitely wasn't talked about. Uh, so it kind of, um, it really hit me hard, particularly in that environment. And initially it kind of crippled me and made me feel on those days, like, you know, I don't want to go out. I don't want to, I don't want to sell. I can't do this. And hundred mm. percent commission, you're not selling, you're not earning. Um, and part of me was thinking, well, maybe sales isn't for me. Maybe I should go and do something else. And I thought, well, no, because there's a certain element of selling in every part of your life. Yep. And I wanted to, you know, face it head on and, and better understand how it could serve me rather than sabotage me. So that's where that initial interest came from to better understand and want to better understand my mindset, my mental health and well-being, and apply my sports coaching to myself, but in a different angle, which um led me to doing that and then building a team of around 30 people around me through that role um i'm doing that for two and a half years and, and learning so much about myself i think you know it, it really helped me develop the ability to be resilient um to be able to deal with knockbacks to focus on the controllables and also just speaking to people and a variety of people uh, over 100 mm. people a day uh, in wow. person which you know you're knocking on their house which is the most can be the most evasive thing ever so you know it's it's how you disarm people and build that trust so that was a that was a really good experience and i think that's really built a lot of foundations for me in my work but also developed me as a person as well mm. and if, if we can pause there for a bit because there's a lot of relatable things that i can sense there like with you know the anxiety the the self-worth and seeing oneself and then wondering okay i'm going into this job and maybe i'm not built for this and i think with a lot of our listeners and sdrs and myself included we come across those things and mm -hmm. you know it's it's common like as a former sdr manager when i've you know hired somebody through a recruitment process and it's like a month in and you can see the anxiety in their tonality the way they're speaking to you they're just like oh, i don't know if i should be doing this and i'll always try and create a safe environment where they can be just as honest as they want 
And it's trying to get them into the belief that, you know, I really do believe in you and I think you can do this. It's just it's really new for you as well. But a key point that you picked up, Chris, which was something that I've harped on a lot to friends and family and, you know, colleagues and everything where, you know, it's not it wasn't spoken about as much. So if we had the anxiety, there was a fear of owning up and being vulnerable Mm -hmm. and talking about this. And, you know, even in my own family, which was very dysfunctional growing up, we never spoke about our emotions like we I couldn't approach my father and talk about these certain things. And, you know, you never wanted to seem weak in front of certain people as well. And especially when you get into a job. Like you, you've told your family, your friends. Yeah, I'm going on this new career. I'm gonna like change the world. I'm gonna do things. I'm gonna become somebody. And then there's that fear that sets in. Like, as somebody that helps people with their mental health and mindset, any quick tips on you know when you start recognizing these things and how to bring up those sort of conversations with people? Yeah, and I think even before that, even it's not just about talking about it, but it's knowing what to talk about. I think you know mm. the most challenging things can understand be able to label something and identify what is this the amount of people i'll speak to and they blow like, oh, i didn't realize i had imposter syndrome or burnout or limiting beliefs and then once you've labeled it it's like oh that's what it is it's not mm. you know and it's, it is something that different people experience versus am i the only one yeah. um so i think it's also that i think one of the things is recognizing you aren't your own thoughts mm. and, and not getting wrapped up in that and thinking not everything you think is necessarily true and the first thought is often not the right thought and mm. one thing I always say is think about how can you challenge your thinking? You know, a lot of the time we'll have these limiting beliefs, these thought biases in our head, the one you mentioned this morning, that egotistical thinking, yeah. or egocentric, sorry. Um, but we then hear all this advice of, well, just have a positive mindset or just be resilient or just positively manifest it. And that doesn't work. That's the worst piece of advice you can give someone because <laughs> it's not a choice. No. It's like telling you know telling someone to cheer up if you're if you're you can't you can't just produce serotonin on tap to just mm. to, to feel happy. So rather than just telling yourself, and particularly when you're in that primal state, you don't. It's like child parent child does not want to be told what to do when it's upset because it will just rebel even more. Mm. Is don't try and tell yourself what to think. Ask yourself. So turn it into a question. Mm. Your brain is very much like a Google search engine. Anything you type in is coming back with evidence. You're typing in these limiting beliefs. It's going to come out of evidence. So challenge your thinking, turn it into a question like, how can I hit target? How can I feel more confident? How can I feel more comfortable in this role? How? What's one thing I can do to control this call? What's two or three things I can do to work on becoming better at cold calling versus I'm never good at cold calling. I'm never going to hit my target consistently. I'm always going to struggle speaking to these types of people. If you tell yourself that, you're going to go and look for all the evidence, which confirmation bias is linked to, to back it up. So yeah. challenge your thinking is that is one of the biggest things I recommend to people. I love absolutely love that. And you're right. And, you know, the one thing that I try to say either to students or friends or family, it's like, it's cool not to be happy. Like I'm somebody who is, you know, like naturally, I'm always a positive, happy, go lucky guy. My mate's always like, no, like you're always like a, a ray of sunshine. You've got this positive thing going on. And I'm like, do you know what? Like I'm probably happy 80% of the time, you know? The other 20% of the time, I can be miserable. Like, I've suffered from depression and anxiety, and I still have it, you know, and I have my down days. And, like, in, in recent weeks, like, I've connected with people, and like yourself, I've been asked, like, how are you? I'm not cool. Like, I'm not okay, you know? But I also understand that this is a temporary feeling, and it will pass. Same way with happiness, you know? Not everything's always going to be happy. 
And I think we have to be very careful of trying to chase this constant happiness and the serotonin feeling and just all these oxytocins and stuff going on in our head to feel happy because it's not natural. Like if we don't feel those emotions and, you know, to your point, challenge yourself um, rather than me saying, yeah, I'm just depressed. I ask myself, what is making me depressed? Is it work? Is it the stuff that I'm engaging with? Is it like the people that I'm connecting with? Or have I not rested that much? You know, am I not enjoying work? Is it because of the type of work that I'm doing? Or, you know, is there an underlying thing which is bugging me and it's peeing me off and I'm just letting it filter into other things? So, you know, mm. challenging yourself 100%, but also questioning, like, what is it about? And sometimes you may not know what the answer is. So sometimes, you know, I go meet up with mates and they're like, you, you, you right now? And I'm like, no. And they're like, what's up? And I'm like, I don't know. But I'll figure it out. It will come to me in some shape or form. But having the time just to be able to reflect, stop, you know, just chill for a bit, and then you kind of figure out what's bugging you. So yeah, those are some valid points. But there's, there's three things uh, I think that are really important to relate to what you said there. I think, first of all, just on your last point, is recognizing that there isn't always a reason. Sometimes it just is. We're very quick to try and diagnose why are we feeling anxious, why are we feeling stressed. And often, particularly those who experience anxiety, it can sometimes be a habit. You can get anxious about not being anxious, <laughs> particularly <laughs> at weekends. And it's, yeah. it's accepting that sometimes the more you try and go and find something, the more you, the, the worse you can make it when actually it just is and just accepting it can be can be really useful as well mm. I think secondly to the happiness point too many people confuse happiness with excitement mm. so well often you know when that deal comes in when you book that meeting when you hit your target when you get that job and you get the promotion that's excitement yes happiness is involved but that peak is exciting mm. and then we feel like that's how we always want to feel and then we go chasing it and consciously subconsciously telling ourselves we're unhappy until we get there yeah. The third thing that's kind of related to that, when you mentioned about being happy about 80% of the time, is is trying to have a surfer mentality to life mm. and in sales. Yeah. So, yeah, life comes in, in waves, and that surfer mentality is even when you're riding the best wave possible, enjoy it, but recognize it's going to come to an end, and that's okay. You can't mm. control that. And when it does, be prepared that you might feel like you're going to go underwater a bit, mm. but that's okay, because the more you can expect that, the more you can then more likely catch the next wave that comes along. 100% hang tendered, 100% agree with you, dude. Thank you so much. Um, we could really go off onto quite a lot of tangents here today, Chris, because your mindset and like your way of thinking is totally on board as to, yeah, so we've got to be careful, but we're going to be diving into a lot of different topics today. That's what I'm going to say. But um, as you mentioned, coming back to your story, like you, you're building out teams and, you know, you're moving along and you're you're helping out people. What kind of happened next after that? Yeah, I think, well, from an industry point of view, that kind of changed. And for me, I'd been doing like 14, 15 hour days for six days a week for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And there was part of me because I never intended to get into sales where I thought, oh, well, I'll go and try, I'll go and try a bit of recruitment. I'll go and try something a bit different. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it just, it wasn't for me. I kind of missed that human interaction. I missed that development. I missed that kind of like challenge in a different way. Um, in that kind of environment and, and culturally it wasn't the right fit for me either so i then moved on to thinking working with avanta of um you know how do i help people out of work who maybe are benefits and that back into work but also mm. part of my role was speaking to local businesses like sainsbury's holidays ex holiday extras about like how can we maybe get opportunities for people to come and interview there you know people who don't maybe right. don't necessarily have the experience but maybe deserve a chance because they, you know, they've been dealt a tough hand. So that was again, like a, a nice mix of feeling like giving back and 
And there was part of me at the time where I thought, maybe I just want to find something that's like, you know, I can check in, I can check out nine to five. And again, like, because I'd been so far the other end of the spectrum, I tried that and I was like, this isn't me. I can't just settle mm. for something like this. It was, it was rewarding, but it wasn't, I felt like I wasn't fulfilling my potential. I feel like I wasn't like achieving like what I've been set on this earth to do. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And a, a question to ask because um, I'm a sort of person that likes to help a lot of people and try to give out a lot of advice and connect dots with certain careers, people, friends, or, you know, industries and whatnot. And I've, I've learned over the years, there'll be a point where I've drained myself, you know, like when you're trying to help as many people and you're having hundreds of conversations, you're having long hour days and you're like, Oh my God, I just can't do this anymore. And you know, how, how do you watch yourself to be mindful that you don't drain yourself completely and how do mm -hmm. you recharge yourself back up to then go out and continue that mission chris yeah so something i've been talking a lot about and have researched a lot in the last year is around energy management mm. so we talk a lot about time management but we don't talk much about if any energy management you know you can have 90 minutes to get from a to b in your journey but you haven't got enough fuel in the tank you're not getting there and i often use the analogy your energy is like our phone battery some days we'll wake up 90%, but more often not, probably 40 or 50%. Mm. And the different tasks that we have throughout the day are like apps on our phone and they will drain our battery. Particularly yeah. if you have those ones that I said earlier on, those thoughts you're not addressing, they'll be like that app in the background that's draining your battery really quickly. You might look at it and go, <laughs> yeah. why do I feel so drained? Is Because you've been thinking about this all day long. You've left YouTube open in the background yeah. and it's taken 40% on its own. So it's thinking about like, how am I, first of all, protecting my energy, but how am I recharging it? How am I, because yeah. very similar... You know, for example, Neil, if you're like Saturday afternoon, it's 3 p.m., you're going out with friends that night, you're going to go out all night, you're thinking, I should probably charge my phone now, because even though it's got 30%, mm. it's going to run out of battery if I don't, and I'm not going to be able to get an Uber, or I might lose contact with my friends tonight if we lose each other. And we're very, very conscious of that, but we don't think about our energy in the same way. We don't think, we think, oh, I'll wait until I need a break, until I need a holiday, until the end mm. of the day when I can recharge, when that isn't useful, that isn't effective, because... It takes longer to charge something when you've let it go flat. Mm. So it's thinking about proactively identifying back to your question of what are your proactive and reactive charging points throughout the day and scheduling the proactive ones in and having the reactive ones available for when that call doesn't go to plan or that email comes back you weren't expecting to be able to bring yourself back up. So for me, like I'll always make sure I get out for a walk a day. That's like my non-negotiable yep. working out in some form or another listening to a podcast, I have a particular playlist that I have that I've kind of anchored into. This is my way to, to recharge as well, because as to your point, it's so important to be able to do that. 100%. And it's even making me think about this weekend just gone. So I, uh, I have a schedule with my son where I see him one weekend and then the following weekend, it's like, I'm free to do what I want to do. <laughs> Normally what I do is because I'm free and I don't have any responsibilities. I want to catch up with mates. I want to go out. I want to go for drinks. I want to do this and do that. And it kind of came to this weekend where for the last three weeks, I've not been feeling very well. I'm listening as much as you can probably hear it in my voice. And it came to the weekend and friends said, hey, Neil, do you want to go out? And I paused and I was like, no, I don't. I actually just want to chill indoors and, you know, watch a couple of films. And it got to Sunday evening. And I was like, I felt rested. I'd had good, solid eight hours sleep Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, felt recharged. I was able to go to the gym so that when I came on a Monday, I was like, I'm fully charged, dude. I can like take on the world and take on the week. And I haven't felt like that for a very long time. Mm. Um, and you know, like you said, having non-negotiables. So for me, it has to be at gym 6am. I have to do that 
to give me energy to keep going through the rest of the day. And I've put in recently that, you know, by lunch, by 11.30, I have to stop reading any emails or any content on LinkedIn. And I have to go for my walk. And I have to have my walk before I'm allowed to have my lunch. So I'm getting some fresh air. I'm, you know, putting some thoughts. And I like to put saying, like, I put my thoughts into my feet and then I push them into the ground. The stuff that's bugging me, and then just forget about it and leave it outside. And then I can come back in and, you know, crack on for the rest of the day. And then it gets to five o'clock and that's when... There are no more emails. I just have to write a to-do list of what I'm going to do tomorrow. And whatever didn't get done today, that can be done for tomorrow as well. Um, but as you said, uh, kind of going back to your story of, you know, thinking about, okay, I'm going to do a nine to five. You realize you weren't put on this earth to be doing that sort of routine. That's not fulfilling you. What happened after that, Chris? Yeah, so that's when I moved into natural training, back into that kind of sales element. Because I thought, I'd always known, I've always known for years now, I wanted to do my own business, but I didn't know exactly what. And I thought that, oh, mm. well, I'm good at sales. I've started to learn more about myself from the mindset and mental health point of view. Let's go into something where I'm actually selling sales training. I'm selling a product that can also get me closer to better understanding how to develop people, how to, um, and what I thought, like better understand like the stuff that maybe I'm learning about myself. So I moved into that role as a, um, initially sort of developing business development manager slash account manager as a full 360 role and yeah. working with the likes of Virgin Business, um, Just Eat, Veeam, HP, Asics, and basically, you know, selling sales training, negotiation training, presentation training, and being part of that as I went on, more of the design around it, which helped me better understand like, how to design content, how to deliver it, but also realized there was even more of a gap of there wasn't much around mindset or mental health, anything mm. mental health at all. It was never really being requested. It was never really being positioned. It was never be really being like, oh, you didn't put this in there. Mm. And that sort of, again, started to build my realization that there just isn't enough here. Um, so yeah, I met probably one of the best cultures, if not the best culture I've ever worked in there, still in touch with a lot of people from it. And, um, and it, again, it just gave me a real good understanding of it. And then at the same time, gave me a real nice challenge um, you know, I I've still am the top performing revenue person there for one year um, mm. in the business. I hit my target one year by June for my annual target. Nice. Um, yeah, so it, it gave me a lot in a number of different ways. I love that. So as you said, like, you know, you're delivering this sales running around like 360 sales, like negotiation, and then you're also seeing this gap. But that beautiful thing of, and I experienced this myself, of like, I want to run my own business, but I don't know what the hell I want to do or what it's going to be around. And it's going through those motions and then realizing those gaps and then seeing it. And then one day it pops in your head. You're like, right, that's what I need to help him. Because I remember, you know, when I first started out as an SDR, my VP of operations said to me, like, what do you want to do in the future? And I said, I want to run my own business. And he's like, what is that? And I was like, I have no idea. Mm. But I know that if I follow this path, something's going to happen. Something's going to rub off on me as well. But how do you take a, a you know, spotting a gap? and having this ideation and then, you know, creating something. How does, how did that process work for you, Chris? Yeah. I mean, at the time it was a, it was a sort of slow one. I mean, I used to, you know, going back to that point, I used to come home and watch all those motivational videos on YouTube and, but not know what to do with the motivation. I was like, <laughs> I, I want to do more here. I want to do something, but I didn't know what it was. Um, so initially, and this kind of jumps forward a bit to when I started a payment sense mm. as the sales coach, I knew like that urge was growing and growing even more so. Um, and I'd, I'd left natural training. I decided after some disagreements that, you know what, 
I've got morals, I've got ethics, and I'm not going to be treated a certain way. And I was really proud mm. of at the time, leaving with nothing in mind, went away for six weeks, did six countries in six weeks. And wow. Um, I think I did what well, I did, Greece, Croatia, Laos, Cambodia, Bali, and Canada. Nice. Bit of a random kind of order, but uh, well worth it. And yeah. Um, yeah, I came back and then it sort of inspired me even more to think I wanted to be the master of my own destiny. So that's when I started my own podcast mm. back then, because I thought rather than going from quitting my job to starting my own businesses, well, what do I want to know? I want to, I want to build a network. I want to better understand and learn from people. And I want to build my brand. So I thought probably very similar to you, like I'll start mm. a podcast. And yeah. that was not another sales podcast. Um, and I'm always that person who, when I have an idea, I think the longer you leave something, the more likely you are to create barriers to it. So mm. yep. I had an idea of a podcast and that day I was like, let's just message two or three people that I already know on LinkedIn and just ask them. Mm. This is the podcast. This is what it's about. It's not another sales podcast. It's talking about mindset and um, not necessarily mental health at that time. And that started that kind of wave. And then after the podcast, I had people starting to speak to me going, oh, can you come in and do this talk on this and that? And I started to recognize that. Yeah. So I suppose, and I'll come to it with sales psyche a bit more, but the, the first kind of point there is just think, how can I start? Like, how can I build something on the side, mm. that brand, that awareness, rather than thinking, I don't know actually what it is yet. But how do I create a medium with, you know, whether that's a podcast, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, just some channel to then start sharing that. I love that. You're right. And, you know, it's a case of just do and just go for it. I think a lot of the time, including myself, like before launching my business, um, wanted to do it, but I was hella scared because I didn't know how it was going to turn out. And I think a lot of us sometimes want to start things and we want to see the end result or at least have a path carved for us that looks exactly perfect we know how it's all going to pan out but that's boring from my own point of view right it's the uncertainty and the unknown which makes it very exciting but you know with a lot of great successful people is just starting that initial thing so if it's that podcast or if it's that first discussion I remember with me like happy selling like training and coaching it was just finding an SDR that needed some help or was three of them um, and then just giving everything that I'd learned but I had no curriculum I had no website I had no methodology of happy selling everything it was just stuff that I knew and what I also learned was you know the best way uh, to learn is once you've learned something is then teach it teach what you've been taught yourself and then give it to others and spread that knowledge and that kind of snowballed into somebody saying hey we've got another company that needs some help can you do what you did with us for them and then mm. it just, you know, started networking and spiraling out. And then, you know, when being hit by the pandemic, when I didn't have any work, I was like, right, what can I do? I want to help people. Best way to help me is by helping other people. And I thought, okay, I want to help some other SDRs that are going through the pandemic, trying to figure out how you do this SDR gig. Never had done a podcast in my life. Was scared, hella scared. Before, let's just record it. Let's just see what happens. And then, you know, two years later, and I'm now talking to the great Mr. Hatfield and we're on a show. It just, it, it started off there. And it's just, um, you know, that, taking that leap of faith and just going for it and having no idea how it's going to pan out but that's sometimes one of the most beautiful journeys and you know that old saying of um, life is it's not about the destination it's about the journey and I think from my point of view I just want to see how freaking long I can keep going dude because I have no idea when it's going to end right yeah I heard a um I think from a get song recently the journey is the film love it love it love it you're right, 100%. And we're making a movie, dude. We're making a big movie here right now. Um, but, um, you know, like, like you on this journey and helping out. And I was curious to know, because, again, running for the last two years, like when I saw Cell Psyche like on my LinkedIn feed, 
uh, and I started seeing this guy come about helping with mental health. We were going through a pandemic at that point. You know, the world had completely flipped upside down. I was impacted big time with my business and I saw this guy helping out with mental health, which was a key thing for a lot of people that needed back then, especially going through that pandemic. What was it like being around at that time and doing what you're doing and like, how did it all come together with Cell Psyche as, as a business mate? Yeah, well, at the time, you know, the pandemic hit, I, I was head of sales enablement for Payment Sense, now Dojo. We had 500 field sellers. I, I'd hired a team of about 12 coaches. Um, and I really feel like I had a job for life there. Mm. Uh, you know, a great culture, not in an arrogant way, but in, the, in that kind of piece of, of um, you know, as even said, like, if it doesn't work out, you can always have a job back here. <laughs> yeah. um, but, um, but yeah, I felt like, you know, that was great. But I've always been a big believer in, I just never want to settle. I never want to just, you know, I, I sort of thought, yes, it's enjoyable, but it's not mine. Yeah. And I think that's the thing a lot of the time in life, we can sell with things thinking, well, I'm not unhappy, but it's like, yeah, but are you truly happy? Are you truly finding something that's fulfilling you? Um, and I'd been on furlough for four months from April uh, 2019. And you'd think I'd think of starting a business then, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> but what I did is work more on my psychic then. So I was doing some more of the um, talks and workshops for people, some of it just free of charge um, off my own back because obviously it was a time where I think people needed it. And that's where yeah. I think it sort of came back and realized, you know, that's what I'd been really enjoying after those sort of three or four months is, and I thought, look, the pandemic had meant that we were talking more about mental health, but still very much from a reactive point of view. Mm. We were waiting for something to happen, and particularly in sales, waiting for someone to be burnt out, not hitting target, not motivated. And I thought, there's all this great content in sales training out there, which I'd been part of, but there isn't anything around mindset and mental health. Mm. And there's all this great mindset and mental well-being stuff, but it doesn't always relate to salespeople or it's not delivered by people who've sold and can relate to people and, and be in their shoes. So I thought, let's go and start this. So I spoke to a few people, um, about two or three people. And again, that's all I needed. So I went into work the next day and said, handed my notice in, you know, I've got three months of gardening, three months of leave, uh, sort of annual, whatever it is yeah. to take. And, um, and then thought, right, okay, let's get to work. And I come in the next day and, you know, because we had such a good relationship, they said, you can finish today. We'll pay you three months of gardening leave, go into nice. the business. So I went and met my friend, uh, John, John Limbaugh, who now runs a business as well. In the pub, and we designed the website and the logo and um, and went from there. I love that. And, you know, like going back to that point of anxiety, because like I was, again, hella anxious when I launched mine. I was like, okay, I'm leaving a secure job, a pension. I've got a kid as well. And I've got to think about the future. This is scary, right? Uh, and for a lot of our listeners out there, some of them, you know, may be going off at one point and their aspiration is to launch a business and for others, they may not. And again, to make it clear that it's, it's fine, whichever way that you want to go. Some people are that mm. way inclined, like me and Chris, we are that way. And I've got friends that haven't, they're happy in their careers and doing what they're doing. So I'm not saying one's right or not the other, but Chris, like with, I'm curious to know what was going through your mind at that point when you, you know, officially handed in your resignation, you're sitting in the pub with a mate building a website and you're about to launch a company. What was going through your head, dude? Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a man of honesty and, you know, what I'm about to say, I'm not expecting everyone to feel like this, but just pure clarity. There wasn't mm. anxiety. There wasn't nerves. It was just certainty of this is going to work. This is going to make a difference. Uh, I'm not saying everyone should feel like that, but it was almost like when I looked at it, I thought if I stay in my role, how will I feel in three or six months when someone else is doing it? I'll resent myself. I'll resent the business. 
and I'll be more anxious staying in my role mm. than I will if I don't. So it was just that clarity of this is the right decision. You know, I always, I love this Steve Jobs quote of you can't always connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. Mm. And I just knew that this is something that regardless of how it turned out was, was where I was meant to be. Um, so it was that kind of excitement, that thing of this is going to work. I'm going to make this work. I believe in what I'm doing. I believe there is a gap. And now it's about how do I translate that and communicate that to people effectively. Nice, nice. I love that, dude. And and you're right about, you know, the the, the connecting of the dots, um, looking backwards. Because I literally, I was, I was having a catch up with one of my top students that's uh, in a company that I hired her to get into. And we was having a conversation. She's like, Neil, what's, what's new with you? And I said, a lot. I, she said, I'm seeing you posting stuff on LinkedIn. You're launching new services. You're doing all of this sort of stuff. And I said, number one thing to realize is whatever I post online is only 10% of my reality, right? It looks like I'm really happy and I'm doing stuff. But do you know what? Underneath all of this, I'm going through a bit of depression at the minute. I'm feeling a bit low. And it's cool because I've handled this before and I've got all the right things in place. But what I said to her was, I got to a point two months ago where I was thinking I wanted to pack up happy selling. Because I was like, I've done this for five years. I've survived the pandemic twice. I've had clients. And, you know, it gets to the point where it drains you a little bit. And to your point, you don't know, am I doing the things that are bringing me happiness and fulfillment? Um, but I said to Julie, I was like, I'm, I've been doing lots of other side hustles and stuff half-heartedly, admittedly, because I haven't been in the right space. But I said, like, I've just launched a new, um, you know, happy selling on demand subscription service where I've built out a lot of content that I've used to do on like one to one training sessions. And she said, oh, that's amazing. And I was like, yeah, it's cool. But I'm not overly excited about it. I'm happy that I've done it because it's taken three months to freaking put together and it's been time consuming and stressful. And I've done that. But then I said to her, you know what, um, a CEO reached out to me uh, the other week. Uh, and just asked me how I was doing and what I'm up to. And I hadn't spoken to this CEO for about two years because he tried to get me to join on a service he was launching a few years back. That went, He went really successful and his business is well known and now he's exiting the company. And then he came back to me and he just said, um, we're launching a new service where we're looking for sales coaches and I'd like you to imagine it as if like you're a GP in a surgery in our surgery and people can book time with you to get one-to-ones about advice and I said, it's really funny you should say this, Mr. CEO, because I've actually been doing this in my own company because it's something I'm actually preferring doing rather than just doing pure sales training. So I've been testing this model out and I freaking love it because I don't have to prepare as much. People come to me with their problems and I love problems. It sounds really weird, but I love problems because for every problem that you have has already been solved by somebody else that's gone through that same trauma or problem as well. So I can give advice and I just love helping back. But he's then building like a platform to get this on to, to me, to loads of other people. And I said, yep, I'm in. But I asked him the question. I was just like, why me? Like, I didn't understand why he picked me. And he just said, I met you two years ago. And just the way that you get coaching, the way you speak to people, the way that you do business, even though that we didn't do something back then, you left it on a very good note. And, you know, stuff that I see you post on LinkedIn, you're always trying to help people out. So I want somebody like you to uh, come on board with this. And I just said to him, but do know that I have happy selling. I don't want to shut that down. Is that cool? He's like, yeah, we get it. Like coaches have their own business. We just want to help you get your name out there more and help as many more people. And I said to Julie, I was like, I tried to launch a coaching subscription business two years ago and it flopped hard. It flopped really hard. And I was so distraught by it. But then two years later, it came back in a different form. And it was, mm -hmm. you know, because 
I went through that stuff and I went through that heartache and, you know, and everything like that and it all comes back around. But two years ago, if you told me, I knew it was all going to be fine, I wouldn't have believed you. I thought, nah, you know, it's all gone to pot. It's crap. It's not working. But it's, you know, standing in there and like doing and making sure that you do what you love doing uh, and the right things come at you at the right time, you know, and it's, I think there's no th such thing as perfect timing. But if to our earlier point, if I didn't just do or have that conversation or go through those things, I wouldn't be where I am now, right? So, but again, come, sorry, I've gone off on a tangent. I told you I could, we could go off on multiple tangents here. Uh, but with Sales Psycho, like you've been running strong and I've seen a lot of content and, you know, helping out companies. So I wanted to ask you two questions. First one is, I'm a sales leader listening to Neil's show and I'm thinking about Sales Psyche. What's the right time to bring you in or what's kind of like, what would trigger off having to call somebody like Chris to come into our business? When would we need somebody like you? Yeah, I think ideally you're not even looking for a trigger. Again, mm. going back to what I said earlier on, it's being proactive. Yes, like we can come in and work with teams when there is an issue around people's mindset, mental health around limiting beliefs, an issue with stress or burnout, um, that resilience piece I've mentioned, energy management that we talked about earlier on. But in the same way you'd hire a personal trainer at the gym is, or going to the gym is thinking about proactively, not waiting mm. to start eating well until your doctor says so, or not waiting to start working out until you, you're, you're overweight or, you, or you've got health issues, is thinking about how do we, how do we equip people proactively the same way you do with every probably, you know, from a sales leader's perspective, we talk about the tech stack and all these tools that we have, but the biggest tool that we have is our mindset. And yep. that is something that if we don't invest in, in the right way, can doesn't matter what we've got around us, we're not going to be able to function to our full potential if we don't. So I think it's that proactive piece. If you have a sales and commercial team, we work with teams that are from four to 400 to a thousand. So you know, it doesn't discriminate on size is that's, that's the thing is if you've got a, a passion and you see, which I think most people do, or are starting mm. to see the value of supporting your team's mental health and well-being, and recognizing that that can therefore help them be a better person and better versions of themselves or truer versions of themselves, which also then helps with their sales, then there's the reason. I love it. And you're right. It's, it's about being proactive rather than reactive. Like I don't want to uh, wait till I've completely overweight and I'm not functioning properly as human that then I have to go to the gym and try and fix myself because it's going to be even mm. hard then but if I'm proactive and I keep myself healthy then it's easier to maintain totally get it as well so the second question has two parts to it um, the first part let's be true to our audience for the moment uh, for SDRs we've got a, a manager who just doesn't get me or I feel fearful of bringing up things that are going on in my personal life which is actually impacting my job and I feel that I'm going to be castrated if I bring up of, I'm just not okay, boss. What advice would you give to that young person to help them out, have that discussion with their manager, Chris? Yeah, I think there's probably two or three routes. I think the first one is thinking, it might not always be of your manager, is there anyone else in the business? Is there HR or people that you can speak to for more of a confidential conversation? Um, maybe even asking them, how do you think I could broach this with my manager? Mm. Um, you know, because I can give advice on here, but every situation is unique. I think secondly is if they're not bringing it up is think about rather than trying to, we can't always change the way someone starts a conversation, but we can change the way we respond to it. So the common question is if people aren't doing it, is they'll just flippantly go, how are you? Or how have you been? And even just answering, I've been a seven out of 10, six out of 10 recently. Mm. And they're going to go, what does that mean? 
Mm. And then that's your that's your cue to start yeah. speaking about it. And then they'll again trying to change the way you answer a conversation can train people or encourage people to maybe check in and go, Oh, you said you were six last week. Like how are you now? Mm. Around it. So that's the second thing. And thirdly, if you try those things and you are in a situation where you feel like your manager is probably having a negative impact, mm-hmm. then you know, think about is this place for me? Because I think there are more and more companies recognizing the importance of this now. It's it's not a perk, it never was, it's basic hygiene. Yeah. And you should you should not make sacrifices for that because you give a lot in sales, so you should definitely be supported in the right way. And if you think you aren't, then maybe that is time to think, you know, I probably deserve better than this. 100% know your worth, dude. I 100% agree. So the second part of this question is now for the other side of the fence. So, you know, I do manager coaching as well. And I've had a lot of people that have been, this is like, they've been individual contributors. They've now taken on this role of sales management and they've got a team beneath them. And things that I get is like, no, I just don't get them. Like, it's easy for me. I was able to do X, Y, and Z. I'm telling them to do this, but they're either non-responsive in their meetings when I have one-to-ones with them. And, you know, they've got personal stuff going on. I don't want to know about this sort of stuff. And then I'm kind of going to them is like, you kind of have to be empathetic that they're all humans and they're all unique and they all have different traits about them. And your role as a manager is to be able to navigate those different emotions in different people. That's how you're going to get the best out of them, right? But for that new or existing sales manager who's never been in touch with their feels, with their team, what advice would you give to them to have better conversations with their team members? Yeah, I mean, if you're if if that is that statement you said about um, not wanting to know this about them, I would say management isn't the right avenue for you if you don't want to understand what someone might be wanting to tell you. There's a mm. different level, of course, of you know what I'm not saying is that oh you know they can just talk about their personal life and vent and not talk about work, but if someone is trying to offer up some information that is going to help you better understand them, and it's going to make them feel better, then leave management if you, if you if that's really not for you i'll be honest yeah. leave management um but in terms of advice i think the first thing is you can't just tell people what to do this is where that kind of coaching comes in you might be able to but it's a bit like giving someone a sat nav they'll get to the destination but they won't really understand how they got there and they'll keep coming back to you mm. and it'll feel frustrating you'll feel like why aren't they listening i'm telling them how to do things but that's two things one you're telling them they're not learning and two your way isn't always the right way it might not work yep. for them and then the final thing around this is, particularly when it comes to mental health and well-being, is don't think you need to fix things. A lot of the time when people want to talk to you about these things, they're not expecting an answer. But the default setting is, particularly in sales, if someone comes to me with a problem, I need to fix. fix if I it. don't, yeah. Yeah. they're going to think that I'm not a good enough manager or I don't care or that I'm not good at my job. But a lot of the time, all people want to be do is to be heard in those situations. And you yeah. might not have the answers, but you can be part of the kind of path to helping them find them as well so don't put that pressure try and avoid putting your, that pressure on yourself mm. and recognizing and and if you're thinking oh, i don't want to start this conversation because i don't know how to answer it just recognize i don't have to know how to answer it i just have to be there to listen 100 percent. and something i've realized in the last few years um because we're in the reason we get into sales is like we love fixing problems as a man i love to fix problems with my friends and family and all that but the biggest reality hit I got was somebody saying sometimes, no, I just, I don't want an answer. Mm-hmm. I just want someone to hear me out. So what I have to do by default now is when somebody tells me something and it's like, I'm itching, Chris, I just, I know the answer. I can tell you, I have to fix it. Trust me. I'll ask them, do you want me to listen? Do you want me to just listen? Or do you want my advice? 
And if they just said, no, I just wanted to soundboard it, I just wanted to get it out of my head and speak about it, I'm like, cool, fine. But if they then say, actually, I would like your advice, I'm like, okay, now you've given me permission, and then I'm able to have that conversation better. Because mm -hmm. I used to give a lot of unsolicited advice, that's why I used to work in sales, um, and just give it out there, but I don't have to do that. So, you know, I think as uh, to a lot of my managers, I'm like, you know, to create that safe environment, you know, you can ask that question as well of, do you want advice? And, you know, letting these people learn on their own, because to your point, if you gave them all the answers, they're not going to learn anything. They need to go through that themselves. And sometimes I've actually even said to reps, um, I'm not going to give you the answer. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to have to go figure out, I'm here, I'll support you. You know, whatever happens, if it goes positive or negative, I'll support you. But I think it was a VP of sales from Treo, uh, Ralph Barcy. He told me one of the best bits of advice is, when a rep is telling you something's going wrong with their life or something's not working in sales, his automatic response is like, wow, that's hard. What are you going to do about it? Because it then got the rep to think on their own two feet as to how are they going to go through that and how they're going to handle it. And sometimes they would come out of Ralph's one-to-one uh, -one session, like, wow, that was a great one-to-one -one session. And Ralph's like, I didn't do anything. I just said, what are you going to do? And you gave yourself the answer. May work for some, may not work for others, etc. Um, but no, Chris, this has been an absolute great discussion. And the pertinent question that I'd love to ask for all of our guests is, if you could go back to a younger version of yourself that Chris, you know, that came out of uni, did the sports and thinking, I want to go into coaching and I thought, oh, actually, maybe I don't know, I'm going to go into sales. What three bits of advice would you give to that younger version of yourself, Chris? I think going back to the Steve Jobs quote, knowing what I know now is you know, trust the process and then enjoy it. Treat it like a bike ride. You don't go on a bike ride just to get to the end. You go on it to enjoy the view, challenge yourself along the way. I think, secondly, never think that you will get to a point where you finish something, but at the same time, you'll never get to a point where you feel like you're starting again if you have that mindset, because it's just that constant. And the third thing is, you know, you're going to have ups and downs. And one of my things my boxing coach said to me a few years ago was, no matter how hard you train, you're still going to get punched in the head. Yeah. So, you know, whatever we do, whether it's selling, prospecting, managing our mental health or well-being, it's not about stopping those bad days or moments or knockbacks from happening it's being able to identify when they do and and recognizing what you can do to bring yourself back to the the true version of yourself solid advice my dude thank you so much and uh are there any shout outs or kudos that you'd like to give on today's show chris um yeah i think you know one thing that's really helped me build sales psyche is is having people and leaders that are a massive advocate of this in the industry and more of them are growing and I've seen some great people doing this, like Ollie Sharp, who's just left Salesloft. Yep. Sean Hayes from Aircall, who I posted about last week, is one of the companies we work with. They're great examples. And, you know, not only have they been great at championing internally, but also particularly Ollie, you know, doing a lot of work with me and podcasts and webinars and introductions. Uh, a couple of other people, James Ski from Sales Confidence, obviously a yep. big advocate of this as well. Um, and Pete Crosby as well, who's always got a good bit of insight and lending their ear and finally I will say Laura Manise Daragal um, now better up because she was one of the people that I spoke to before I left my last job to start Sales Psyche Shouts and salutes to all those people especially Ollie as well um, I got the pleasure of actually being able to hug the guy for the first time <laughs> in real life a couple of months back when I went into the Sales Loft office he's a top dude as well but special shouts out to all the team out there as well and a massive thank you to all of our listeners, watchers, and subscribers for joining us on this episode. And as a gentle reminder, you can find all the links for Chris and Sell Psyche in the show notes below. 
But if you're listening to this on your local podcast platform, please make sure that you give us a rating and subscribe. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, put a like, comment, subscribe down below. But Chris Hatfield, thank you so much for joining on this episode. I wish you a successful, happy and fulfilling week. And I know that I'll bump into you at some point in the future. Maybe even for a hug, dude. I really need to give you a hug at some point. Uh, but have a great week and happy selling, Chris. Thanks, Neil. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR Disco Call, one word, at bcast, which is B-C-A-S-T dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.